the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. If I were to ever write a book, and nothing is off the table, people will be exposing there is no such thing as a noble lie. No such thing. Socialists, Marxists, communists all believe in telling their disciples, their followers, lies, and they call them noble lies. They know it's a lie. Every virtue, every everything that they pretend to have is a bald-faced lie. It doesn't work. So they hide behind words like science. They hide behind words like poverty and war on poverty and society in general they hide behind, knowing what they create are the ghettos that are, people are forced to live in and are trapped by these little prisons of Democrat rule. I call it Democrat in America because that sums it up. That's every one of those philosophies that's based in a giant, giant lie. That's just simply how it works. So when this virus came out and I said, boy, oh boy, let's the idea that you would be able to, to, to seize everybody's property is insane and that you would be able to affect every American. I thought to myself, can't happen. Never going to happen. There's too many of us. There's 340 million Americans, even these professional liars that have been telling this phony lie of their entire philosophy of this utopia where government takes care of everybody. It's too many Americans that would let that happen. I was terribly wrong. It happened. And the first time was going to be the hardest. So this next time that's coming. And by the way, it's coming. There is going to be another lockdown. Just like it was a couple of weeks ago. He said, we're definitely going to be masks again. Now, what's all the topic? The mask, the mask, the mask. So and this and I blame. Listen, this is the Trump administration, too. They were selling the idea that you would have a vaccine. That was the thing about Trump. I loved a lot of his policies. I really did. And I loved how he irked the Marxists and the communists, the socialists, the Democrats in general. And I really love how he irked the fraud Republicans, the scum of the scum, like Mitt Romney and the Kinzingers and the Cheneys and the rest of them. And by the way, Lindsey Graham, but we'll get back to him later. So I enjoyed all of that. But when he would say things like, we're going to have a vaccine, I said, that's come on. Don't give me the BS. It's a lot of BS. You're not going to have a vaccine. You can't have a vaccine. It's not enough time. You can't do it. Now, if you're going to create something that alleviate the chokehold that these few detached politicians who've never done anything in their lives finally say, OK, let's let's take our citizens out of prison that we put them in. Fine. You want to call it a vaccine? You could call it a pickle. I don't care. Just make it stop. But there never was a vaccine. I'm here to tell you that. There is no such thing as a vaccine, and that's what all the double talks about. The mask, if you're vaccinated, you still got to wear the mask because you could carry it. Now, all of a sudden, they carry about the people who they hate, the people who don't believe them, the, the people who are like me. 
I'm never, ever putting anything in my body that the government produces, period, end of story, especially in this current climate. Now, if you talk about the successful vaccines we've had in this country, because we've had a lot of them. I mean, if you look at polio, if you look at the mumps, if you look at the measles, if you look at whooping cough, whooping cough, did I say whooping? Ah, what are you going to do? If you look at tetanus, these are successful vaccines, and you've got about 12 to 14 viruses that were really devastating to people before actual science. Back when, when the, this, the people, you could say the country, but the people had integrity and wouldn't even think about giving you something that the creators, the, the beginning stages scientists, the actual scientists, the ones that couldn't be bought off like Robert Malone when he said, look, I don't like what this is doing in people. I don't like how it looks in women. And I play the clip of the vex of, of the woman, the young girl who was paralyzed from the vaccine and, and the information that is squashed by the government. Further indication, they're lying to you. So now you're going to hear all of the double talk masks for everybody and everybody selling you this, including Lightfoot and her, her good friend, Dr. Dryheave. Edwardy or Wardy, whatever the hell her name is, the real handsome one, when they're selling you this this uh, uh, nonsense that the vaccine works and the masks work, they know it doesn't work. But what it does do is automatically put you on your heels and make you understand the relationship. It's why when I walk in the door, the dogs sit down. They know relationship is different now. I'm in the room. I'm the boss. They are the dogs. It's the same thing here. This is all prep work all this is so all of the excuses that they have the dimwit in diapers that buffoon who would say anything because he thinks nothing joe biden thinks nothing he's merely looking to to appeal and take advantage of his situation so his scumbag crackhead son can sell crayon drawings for half a million dollars and the like this is all he does there is no vaccine there never was a vaccine that does explain why 70 percent of all new COVID cases in Massachusetts are among the vaccinated. It's right here. It's the CDC itself. COVID breakout in Massachusetts County in July primarily occurred among vaccinated people, sparking fears that the variant of the communist Chinese Fauci flu can impact the population with other strains. So they're going to give you other strains and they're going to deviate the fact that this is something that whether you want to give grace to morons like Fauci and the other government officials who thought it would be a good idea to weaponize a virus to see what would happen. Well, here's your go, dummies. Here's what would happen. And keep you from wanting to prosecute politicians like Cuomo, who sent it to the the, the people in the most risk category, the elderly, the sick. And he won't be charged with the thousands of murders any more than Fauci will be charged and the rest of the people who worked to weaponize a virus so that it would adapt and you would have Delta viruses and whatever the next seven variants are going to going to happen from the, the created weaponized virus. That's just the way it is. But to think that there is a vaccine and then to hear the double speak. About how, you know, you're going to have to wear it now, but you, you might not have wore it before. And here's $100. Just be part of our big experiment and join the rat culture. I hope all Americans who live in areas with substantial or high case rates will follow the mass guidance that's being laid down by the CDC. I certainly will, and I have, because this is one of those areas in Washington. First of all, if this old codger is still around, this virus ain't that bad. 
I said, if he, thank God it was made in China. It wasn't it, efficient. It didn't do its job, just like everything else they make. It wasn't successful. It didn't work. It sucks. But make no mistake about it. This is a created virus. And the vaccine that they have for it is a lie. It's built on a lie. It's built on nonsense. 19 cases are rising to the point where face masks are now recommended in most of Illinois, including Cook County. Judy Wang is here with the latest. Judy. Good morning. The CDC adds Cook County to the list of areas with substantial COVID-19 transmission. This means the agency... Except where the money's being shelled out to, to Lightfoot directly into City Hall. They're, we'll worry about the... You know when that's going to start? They'll start Monday after the festival. So it goes to tell you, for money, they'll tell you anything you want to hear. That's just the fact. But what you're hearing, I want you to understand, it's not confusing. People go, oh, it's so confusing. It's not confusing at all. It's a lie. And there's an old expression that's been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years. It takes a lie to cover a lie. And this is where we are. So now we're going we're gonna to pretend that the CDC are not bureaucrats that are lobbied and paid for to give authority to a government that it should have never had. The government is never going to relinquish the control it has over you right now today because this is what the government and people like Joe Biden and his ilk and also some Republicans have wanted. They are finally in absolute and total control. And that's why they can release numbers and they can create bills. You voted and passed a bill and 18 Republicans did eight. Republicans voted on a new spending bill that they don't know one word of it. None. It's not written. This is something that had it been done outside of the virus or prior to anybody hearing COVID or whatever it was, we would have had an absolute outrage over. People would have been primaried and thrown out of office. There would have been protests in the street. But now that the relationship has been established, that you are the slave and they are the master. That's the way it's going to be until the thing turns into Venezuela. And by the way, that's the destination it's going to be. Because this economy, private business, entrepreneurs cannot handle another shutdown. And they have flooded the economy with enough welfare where they're going to say, so what? So what? Here in Illinois, if you're on welfare, a single parent with one child, you can go on socialism and communism and welfare to turn you into a cock. A cockroach sitting on your couch waiting for the check to run in where you're hoping the mail is there. And you make 51000 a year. Why would you want to go work two jobs as a waitress or a hairdresser and struggle and set an example to your kids? When we're giving you 4000 difference from the median income to welfare. And it also also explains why AOC today, while this was going on, was talking about how to make welfare faster and more efficient with the new cyber dollar created specifically for welfare recipients. I want to take the time today to explore some of the implications of central bank uh, digital currencies for folks kind of following at home. A digital dollar would resemble in certain ways cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin or Ethereum in certain limited respects. Uh, but differ in very important ways as well. Uh, now, Dr. Levin, Rather than a tradable asset with wildly fluctuating prices that we see in certain crypto markets uh, and limited real real life use as a currency, uh, a central bank digital currency would function more like dollars and have more widespread acceptance, presumably, correct? 
Right. The point is that with a central ledger in an electronic world... Sounds like a man's man, doesn't he? I'm guessing he writes side transactions. That's why, I mean, coming back to this other thing, when I think about digital world like cell phone, we don't say, well, is this for work or is it for home? Mm-hmm. No, it's for everything. And so it's all the above. And so absolutely having a free, safe, secure, instant transaction platform that every American can use is what we, what we should have had already. We need right. it now. Thank you. And just to clarify, it would also be fully regulated under a central authority, right? Yeah. So all, I think where there's been some agreement among a number of us at this table that, that the, the, these should be 100% backed by reserves held at the Fed. So there's no concern that the stablecoin provider might go bankrupt. Okay, and then there's a, there's a panic. And Thank you. Work. I'm sorry, I just have limited time. Um, now, economists like um, Claudia Sam have, and we've, as we've heard throughout the hearing, agree that direct stimulus payments like the checks that uh, Americans received during the pandemic can shorten recessions. And although stimulus payments helped stabilize the economy during the pandemic, delivery was sometimes slow. And- That's why they're going to push for a cyber dollar, for the welfare recipient. They're going to destroy the private economy. The writing, the script is written. They're going to take the people who had that audacity of being independent and think that they own small businesses and they had the right to their life and the right to their decisions. And they're going to pay you off with cyber welfare, taking people who would have never capitulated, but now, unfortunately, due to politicians, must capitulate and turn them into unwilling yet dependent socialists. This is coming together, and the plan is working perfectly by the subversives that have undermined America. Do you see it, or do you still need to be convinced? Will another shutdown convince you? 312-642-5600. Fear is the greatest cattle prod. Fear. Are you afraid? You'll listen to anything. Even what you know is a lie. Everyone knows that their so-called vaccine is a lie. It's an absolute lie. It's why they squash the evidence of the people who have a negative reaction to it. It's why this article that I read is, you know, hard to find. It's not going to be the front page on C or the front story on CNN or MSNBC. Of course not. They're going to squash it, just like they've squashed the information about the vaccine to the young girl who was paralyzed. And I have the rest of that clip I want to play at some point today. But I want you to understand it's all connected because the goal is to become so powerful that there cannot be an uprise, that America can never have that arrogance by its citizens to think that they have a representative republic versus a European top-down socialist hellhole of despotism. The ones that are now politicians that are elected admire so much. That's why be very nervous when high-up congressmen and senators start to talk about how they admire and want to get along with not just Europe. We've got a president that wants to get a, along with some, one of the only few communist regimes to survive. China does explain why they've bought off his crackhead son without his own teeth. But when you hear AOC talk about a cryptocurrency, the other reason she wants to do it is she wants to make sure that they crush the competition. She doesn't want you to realize what cryptocurrency represents, which is a flight to quality from a dollar that these politicians have destroyed. The reason that the dollar is here so weak and that inflation is so high and that we are $30 trillion in debt is because we've turned over control of what that value means to idiots like AOC. Open and notorious communist sympathizers and Marxist 
ideology practitioners. That's what she is. That's what 70 percent of politicians are, whether they know it or not. And that explains how 18 Republicans voted for this open and notorious fraud of a one point two trillion dollar bill when they haven't spent a trillion of the one they passed last or even the one that Trump passed. This is an attempt to put us into a corner we can never get out of. And my problem is it's working. It's working. Do you know when they take away your opportunity to 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 earn a livelihood and you're not wealthy, they got you. And it explains why now there's an eviction moratorium and they're paying people's rent. I'm going to play you this clip because I want you to hear the end of it. And remember when it was passed. Okay, I want you to remember this was passed when Trump was president. On the eviction moratorium, Speaker Pelosi in her statement said that only $3 billion out of allocated $46.5 billion has actually gone out the door. So what is the administration doing to help get more money out the door faster? Yeah, so um, that's a good question because that shouldn't be happening, right? We, we, we are aware that the monies are taking some time to get to the, to, some time from, it's already out in the states, some time getting to where the, the folks really need it, the rental, the rent, renters and lawmakers. So she means what landlords, we have done these smart. past couple of days is we made an announcement last week that $1.5 billion of that ERA uh, went out um, in the month of June, and that was the most that we saw in the last five months. Uh, and so we continue to continue to work uh, to make sure that people are being made aware that this is this is an existence. Look, this this shouldn't be happening. Uh, states should be making sure that these monies are getting out as quickly as possible. And so we and just yesterday, just just this week, we had a day of action to promote the availability of the rental assistance, which reached tens of millions of Americans last week. The, tre- the Treasury released new data, which I just mentioned with the one point five billion. And then so what we know is that these funds can continue to be dispersed to renters and landlords until until 2025. And so these emergency rental assistance are until 2025. I thought this was an emergency for covid that you passed in 2020. But if the program stays open for five years, why? Because they know once you're on it, they got you. They got you hook, line and sinker. So now what they have to do is come up with a very good scheme. And that scheme has to include the intention of virtue of helping you the whole time. The other arm of government works to keep you on your face with their foot on your neck. And then they come to the rescue. This is how they profit from their own destruction in a similar way that AOC, the economic illiterate, is trying to stoke up. A cyber currency, a cyber dollar, as if that's why people invested in other currencies. That's not why, stupid. They invest in currencies. By the way, an idea of these cyber currencies, whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever it is, is so attractive to people who understand money that now one of those coins is worth tens of thousands of your dollars. The one that politicians like AOC are in charge of. I'm going to go to break and I'm going to take your calls, especially Dave and Downers Grove. You're, you think that, the, that, that the, the cryptocurrency isn't safe. Why would you think the dollar's safe when you've got a country that's bankrupt, 30 trillion in debt and more on socialists creating more programs? That's the real weak currency, whether it's cyber or not. 312-642-5600. You know, people think uh, I'm aggravated because in socialism, 
Wife beaters and child molesters, drunks and drug addicts, scumbags of all sorts, get money for nothing and get to pretend to be in some sort of a class when the reality is they are the scourge of earth that has unfortunately brought down so many freedoms and liberties we once had in the name of their so-called value. I think that that's wrong. But there's this other misconception that somehow we survived Obama and everything will be fine. We had a guy call a little tipsy Friday, though. No, I don't blame him. But I don't drink. You know, we got to calm down and we survived Obama. Did we survive Obama? I mean, just because you're used to the tyranny that was implemented and the cornerstone that destroyed the quality of things like your health care or your education or the national debt, you'd realize when Barack Obama was elected to office, the national debt was about $8.9 trillion to $9.2 trillion, give or take, if you want to go by when he swore in or when he won. And we're at $30 trillion. I mean, I guess to the average American, it doesn't mean diddly squat, right? Because you're going to hope to wait around and... Maybe somehow there will be some savior come out of the sky and there'll be a new new era when people say, oh, OK, we're going to start all over again and we're not going to have to destroy fu- the future in the name of socialism. You're losing right now, because if you go back to the year 2008, when Obama was elected, you think Americans were going to tolerate the idea that government and politicians like Lori Lightfoot could make it mandatory for you to take an experimental drug in your arm if you want your life back. I was listening to Tom Beck on the news. All these guys. See, this is the problem. All these neighborhoods like the ones I grew up in. All good guys, all tough guys, all think they have no right from wrong. When when push came to shove, what did you do? You voted for Democrats because you wanted a job or whatever the case is. Well, now you got them. Now you got some fraud in a little man vest like she thinks she's the mentalist. Great show, by the way. Pretending to be, what, important? And now all the tough guys, in order to keep your job, guess what you got to do, tough guys? You got to take the drug whether you want it or not. See, that's that's why you cannot give in to corruption, to socialism, because at the end, do you know what survives in all of these communist socialist hellholes around the world? You know, the only two things that survive is the government and organized crime because they're symbiotic. They share the same business model. That's why. All right, let's go to the lines. Mark, Northwest Indiana. Hey, Sean. Awesome show. I always look forward to getting in my truck on the way home and listening to you. Thank you, brother. I, I'd, I'd like to hear your opinion on, on two, two topics. First of all, Big Pharma is still working on settlements for the opioid crisis. J&J just uh, agreed to a $26 billion settlement. Mm-hmm. How are they going to pay for that besides a vaccine mandate that they have immunity for? Well, That's question one. First of all, they, they're question like, two. Well, well, let's take them one at a time. I'll give you question two. They're like big banks who okay. pretend to get fines because they committed certain kinds of uh, deceptions during the housing boom, right? They don't pay the fine. <laughs> the customer does. So no matter what it was, what Johnson & Johnson has managed to do is, yes, you're exactly right, be paid up front for a vaccine that, whether it works or not, they got their money. And now it's mandated and mandatory. They're going to get paid on the way out. And above all, they get paid on the other medications that have quadrupled since people were forced to be under house arrest. How much money do you think they make from various antidepressants and ADD medicine and the rest of it that have skyrocketed? We're already parabolic before, but now have tripled since COVID lockdown. So don't worry. They'll be just fine. Go ahead. What was the next one? Second question is Biden is offering disability for long-term COVID effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what do you think is going to happen when people around the country start to uh, claim disability? Social. Well, it doesn't matter. They're, they're going to get their way for each person that joins their ranks that gives in to the lure of sitting on your ass and being paid for it. 
they win. This is, this is their game. That's why they're trying to normalize welfare. When they say we're going to make things normal, they don't mean what we mean as normal. They mean what's normal for them. And what's normal for a socialist, what's normal for a communist and a Soviet, is that the people are humble and, and there's, they're aware that they're slaves and all they want is just more food at the end of the month. That's what the, the normal is that they talk about. So this is working according to plan, Mark. Thank you for listening. Now let's go to my crypto guy, Dave in Downers Grove. <laughs> Yeah, John, I just want to say, listen, I, I agree with everything you're saying about us on the path of Venezuela. But cryptocurrency, I'm not an expert, but was always, the allure was always, it was secure, no one can get it, it's yours. But the government is, is one of the biggest crooks there is, and crooks have been trying to get at this cryptocurrency since the beginning. Now, when the pipeline was hacked, and, and they were, the ransom was $5 million in cryptocurrency, what happened a few days later? The government came out and said they recovered part of the, the ransom. Yeah, if you believe now, that, yeah. last week, Well, last week or two weeks ago, the U.K., it was a scroll on the bottom. It was one scroll. I never saw it again. Claimed they recovered $250 million in cryptocurrency. So the, the allure that it's secure... No, the government can take it. The problem with it is, is that you it had in the beginning, it had a certain anonymity to it. And to a certain extent, it may still have that if you've had it long enough. The government can take anything. That's what they do. They can take any wealth. Right. But but don't fall into that argument of the government giving you that, hey, it's only used for illicit activities. It would be the equivalent of getting rid of the dollar because of kidnappings. That's 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 not the same thing. So it is it is meant to the, the problem the government has with the with the cryptocurrencies is that it is far more valuable than the dollar that they've destroyed that's their only problem with it now they have to come up with an excuse you like as they steal it back from people make sense but you can't buy anything you can't buy anything with it that's not true like you can buy what can you buy with it with one bitcoin you can buy about thirty eight thousand dollars Oh, you could buy, yeah, you could buy cash. I mean, you, but you could, but you could, you, there are also, there are, there are exotic car dealers, there are high-end places, there are low-end places. You can use it as a currency, and that's the value of it. The problem with it, Dave, is I think people shut their mind to it because they don't even understand the basic of a dollar because you've been lured into thinking that that dirty cotton you hold in your hand is actually valuable, when the reality is only what the government says it's worth is what makes it valuable. Dave, the reason you should like cyber currencies is because politicians can only steal it, but they can't ruin its future value. Thank you so much, Dave. In fact, they strengthen it. Think about the idea of some guys creating just this idea, whether it's Ethereum, whether it's Bitcoin. You know, I'll use the two most well-known. And all of a sudden, it takes thirty-five, forty thousand dirty dollars of American dollars to buy one. Oh, it must be. There must be something wrong with it. What if you looked at it and said, Why? Does it take 35,000 of these that's backed by the full faith and credit of the American government to buy just one of these? I think you're looking at it the wrong way. I could be wrong, but it's just me. Paul in his car. Hey, nice talking to you, Sean, for a cigar brother to another. Thank you. Um, you, you know, you talked about, uh, Rush used to talk about American exceptionalism and who went around the world bowing before leaders, apologizing for this country. Barack Hussein Obama, 
Yeah. Well, America, now, American exceptionalism isn't believed by politicians. It's believed by right. people. You want to know who believes in American exceptionalism? I don't think a lot of people aren't going to like this answer. The people who are breaking into the country believe in it. What do you think of that? Exactly. Huh? No, no, I, I, I firmly, yeah. Why do we have an immigration problem, but Canada doesn't? So the <laughs> point, so you said so the, the whole thing is, is that, you know, uh, 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 fight me Biden and, and his ilk are carrying forward Barry's plan to apologize for America and to slap us down for being arrogant. And the other thing, too, Paul, to never take your eye off the ball. Thank you for the call. It's it's also the other component that goes along with the ideology. Politicians become gods among men in socialist countries. They're all gods. And that's what they're longing for. That's what they're truly desiring. The idea that they, with a signature, with a whim, could change the course of the future. You know, kind of the way they do, they do every time they open their mouth or sign a new bill that they didn't even read or didn't even create. It's outrageous what we've let happen here. 312-642-5600. Oh, I love it. Now you're talking. You know, I even like polyester. One of the few guys that like pants. They used to have a pant. You're too young. It's called the Zanza Belt. Had the pockets up in the front. I'll tell you what. Look like a million dollars in a pair of those. Couldn't wrinkle them. Could not wrinkle them. Believe me, I try. All right, let's go to the lines. Doug Palatine. Hi, Doug. Yes. Um, I'd like to give my opinion on the vaccine. All right. Uh, who's, paying, who's paying for the vaccine? Is the government <laughs> paying for the vaccine? The future. And I think the, the reason Biden wants to have everybody vaccine, and he wants it to Pfizer. Wasn't Pfizer a big donor to the uh, Biden campaign? They're all big donors. They're all big donors. They donate to both parties, but they definitely donate to Democrats uh, more than Republicans in 2020. It's not even close. But to your answer of who pays for it, and I I was being facetious, but true, the future pays for it. You could look at just a couple of bills that have been created in just two bills. You've got over $10 trillion in just two bills. When you look at the private companies that have received money before they ever created anything, you're talking billions and tens of billions before they ever created anything. Don't forget to reimburse for every shot they give in the arm. I mean, it is a massive windfall. But here's the other thing. It's not just the pharmaceutical companies that won. All corporatists and all corruption won. Because they made people sit in the corner and take their eye off of what they're doing. Since this has happened, government spending to itself. You know, they're, they're giving trillions of dollars to a company that was already holding trillions of dollars, that was already corrupt. It's called BlackRock. They are the new Goldman Sachs to me. And when you think about what this one company, what this one company does, it's an auditor, an advisor, a shareholder, and a creditor all at the same time. When asked about conflicts of interest, the idea that it would have public funding, you know what they said was the it, nothing will happen. We're going to build Chinese walls in between companies. Really? And, and the people just shut up because most people were f- afraid of what was happening with the virus. So what this what this what this virus really did is forever change America. And, and, and in my opinion, corrupt it forever. So I think it's a terrible thing. Doug, here's the good news. We're old and uh, our great grandkids will tell stories about us and how crazy and free we were. That's about it. Thank you, Doug, for calling Dave in Barrington. Hey, Sean, love your show. Thank Just you. a quick point, quick comment um, regarding cryptocurrency. 
crypto would be the ultimate dream of the government to have in place, wouldn't it be? Then there would be nothing that they couldn't put their grimy hands on of yours. I mean, a crypto, a cyber, a cyber U.S. dollar. But their greatest fear, their greatest fear is that you could go home right now, Dave, and tell your wife. You know what? Or at least you could have before they changed all this stuff. You know what? I'm, I'm getting nervous with this dollar and maybe whatever we got in the bank. Let's take 40 percent and diversify it into the cyber currency. I like the hedge risk. And if you would have done that five years ago, you would be up exponentially because of what the politicians have done to the dollar. Everybody wants to blame the cyber currency. No, the cyber currency is a reflection of how bad they've managed the dollar. That's a big that's a big way to look at it. Agreed. I'm just saying, you know, as far as they would love to have it all go cyber, because then there's nothing that they couldn't tax and nothing that they write uh, because they would they would know everything just like, you know, they would know they would know everything for right now. You know, between Asia, Europe and the United States, we're still the prettiest uh, looking. That's exactly um, right. Ugly stepdaughter. Yeah. If you're going to you be know, in the if now, you're going to be in the toilet, you might as well have on the captain's uniform. That's America. Yeah, yeah. Right. I like yep. it. The word of Heidi Thanks, Bowman. Sean. Thank you, brother. I appreciate the call. All right. How much? Uh, let's go to Chad real quick. Hi, Chad. Hi, Bill. Uh, you know, I think we covered enough on the the money front of their laundering and, and covering up there. But you know, what about know. Uh, you know with with police? Um, they're defunding the police. Could they be shifting? so that they could do federal policing to say they came in and saved everyone. It would explain why they just passed a bill for $2.1 for their own police force. It would also explain why the Capitol Police Force is building bureaucracies in states that are run by yeah. Republicans, right? I mean, so it would it would explain a lot, right? You you take away the strength of the of the municipalities and you expand the the, the hold by the federal government. Kind of explains how Everything is being overturned, and they are usurping powers they were never intended to have. I think you're right, Chad. I think you're 100 percent right. Well, and it, and it's uh, you know socialist number you know 101. You know they're coming in, they can attack. Uh, you know Capitol Police, you have no monitoring, so Capitol Police go out there and uh, fix the problems and have no restraints because they don't have to have any cameras on them. So if you would, I mean, you would admit. If you were designing a way to usurp power by a central government and destroy the freedoms and liberties of the citizen, you would have to admit the best year for that kind of mindset, that kind of collectivist, would have been 2020, would you not? Yep. All right, Chad. See you on the other side. Thank you so much. We'll be back. I've got Carol Roth coming up and a lot more fun. streets of melrose park to the trading floor of the merc he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned and now with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in america he's here to seize back our rights from the government with a cigar in one hand and a copy of the declaration of independence in the other he's sean thompson and this is the sean thompson show Being 50-something, 53, isn't just because, you know, I look marvelous. It's because I was able to see capitalism 
and understand the difference between capitalism and corporatism because it was a progression that took half a century. And now we are at the point when most investment bankers, most hedge fund guys, most Goldman Sachs and BlackRock guys think that corporatism is capitalism. It's not. You can always recognize another capitalist. That's why I love them. That's why I enjoy bringing them on, especially when they are recovering investment bankers. And the author of a new book, The War on Small Business, that is what Carol Roth is. Hi, Carol. How are you? John, buddy, what's going on? I'm getting aggravated because, you know, I, uh, although I could pull off a gray jumpsuit like the ones the Soviet, the new Soviets will make us all wear, I really don't want to be one. However, I am recognizing we are outflanked. And something tells me your book is going to really drill down on that. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, as I said, uh, I'm for jumpsuits when they're by freedom and choice. Exactly. <laughs> not, yeah. not, not via force and control. But, like vaccines. Yeah, no, pre- yeah. Appreciate the, uh, the platform you know, around the book. It, if you think about the past 16 months, this has been the most underreported story, really, of the government picking winners and losers, deciding who is going to thrive, who is going to fight to survive, and doing so based not on data or science in any way, shape, or form, but purely on political cloud and connections. And as you were talking about in the intro, uh, when you think about the Goldman Sachs and you know, the big guys out there, you know they don't mind because this has been the biggest transfer of wealth that we have ever seen in history from Main Street to Wall Street. So if you are in the club, you have done extremely well. And if you are the average American, you absolutely have not. And the reality is because of the devastation that, Debt creates, which is ultimately taxation. Debt is taxation. It guarantees that the future will have to do one of two things. Either continue the fraud and the abuse of the future or destroy its ability to have any upward mobility of of capitalists. They're, They're going to destroy it because the tax burden will be so much. It will not be advantageous for you to go to work. And then that welfare suck hole will have pulled you in and you're done. And, you know, when you look at Illinois and you realize why the median household income is 55,000, yet a parent with one child makes 51, the equivalent of 51,000 in benefits from the new welfare system. I mean, you're talking 75 bucks a week to get dressed and go out of my house and work. Why not just buy one of those Atari video games, even though I know it's not Atari, and just play them all day? <laughs> I was going to say Atari. That's I'm a very old, Carol, 80s I'm reference. Old. I, I love it. Uh, I'm all, all about the 80s, but you're right. And it's not, uh, it, this is all related to the, the government debt and overspending, but also the Federal Reserve printing and what the central planners have done, government and Fed hand in hand, is that they are limiting wealth creation opportunities for the average American. And if you think about what wealth creation is under capitalism you know, in this country, it's about ownership. It's about owning a small business, which they're making it harder and harder to do. And as we've seen over the last 16 months, in some cases, mandating you not have that business. They're making it harder for you to own a home. They're making it more expensive for you to invest in the stock market. And you have to take on more risk if you want to earn a return on your investment, all of these ways the average person can participate in wealth creation 
the government and the Fed are making that more challenging. And just like you alluded to, they are trying to take to say that to the message um, that you're better off on the government dole, like we'll take care of you. But we know people don't get wealthy on the government dole. So you, you, it's taking away they get sloppy. economic freedom from us. They get sloppy, not wealthy. And um, the reality is, shouldn't we have, to a certain extent, seen this coming when what we've continued to do as a body politic is literally elect people who have never actually worked? You have, by my soft count, 80% of elected Congress between the the House and the Senate that have never, ever worked. We have a president for the first time in my life that never worked outside of politics. So isn't this to be at least to be expected to a certain extent? I mean, even even Barack Obama had had jobs prior to winning the Senate. For Illinois, I mean, this is the first time we've got a guy right out of college, bottom of his class, 50 year political whore. These next three and a half years are going to be like three and a half years in prison, is it not? Uh, It it certainly is a continuation, as you said, of of all of these bad things. And it's not just the fact that we elect these people um, who've never had jobs before, but we just don't find experts in general. But even if you did have the biggest experts that you could possibly have in there, we know that a handful of experts are not going to make better decisions than the free choice of of hundreds of millions of people. And you can look at the Federal Reserve um, to see that you know they, they have people with you know big big name economists and, and big educations and that come out of private equity and whatnot and you know, they have missed the projections uh, on inflation by so much that it's a joke obviously you know, we you know, I think it's because they're running cover for the government and and again as you alluded to they know that if we start raising interest rates that we're going to have so much money being eaten up in terms of servicing the interest on our debt it's going to crowd out all other spending, but you know, the, the best and smartest people cannot replicate the decisions of the free market. So the bigger the government gets, the more that's under their purview, the more that they're allowed to spend, the more that the Fed enables them by basically monetizing the overspending. Uh, you know, this just becomes this giant Frankenstein, and it becomes impossible to control. And see, this is why I don't like so many people in your old profession and so many people in my old profession, is because they may have deemed themselves to be experts because where they graduated from or their friends or their fraternity. But an expert without a principle is really just a tyrant with a good excuse. And none of them have that principle of capitalism. None of them have that principle of liberty and freedom. So how do we get it back? Does your Because I was reading the, the dissertation on your book, and it looks like you believe there's still a chance for us to get this back as opposed to mine, which is take the 21 states that are still somewhat free and secede. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's a, a complicated option as a child of divorce. I can tell you it's, it's never as easy as it sounds, especially on the money side, right? <laughs> um, but you know, I think there are things that we can do as individuals, certainly in terms of voting with our dollars and supporting small businesses. But we also have to stand up for freedom. And I know that those of us who like freedom tend to, be, to like to be left alone. And so it's hard to say that you know, we need to stand up and fight for this, but we do. We absolutely have to stop 
a lot of these shenanigans that are coming down the pipeline that you cannot undo, uh, things like the raising the minimum wage or the PRO Act or, you know, God forbid they do UBI, which is obviously what all of this stimulus and, and other stuff that they're doing is sort of a test run for. Um, but we really need to be putting putting out a call to our representatives, telling them things like rain in, to rain in the Fed, um, and trying to get more liberty-loving people who have those principles and have that experience into government, because it's the only way that we're going to peel it back. When you look at these hearings, and you look at their faces, and you see Jerome Powell, who looks like he's sitting on a pair of twos and has an all-in bet and knows he's going to get killed. And you look at the, I think, transgendering Janet Yellen, and you listen to her promote this kind of utopian taxation where everything is going to be fine. You realize, at least I do, they don't know what the hell they're doing, and they're so far over their heads they might as well try out for the NBA. Am I wrong? So I don't necessarily think they – there are two explanations. One is that they absolutely have no idea what they're doing. And, and we know economists in general you know, aren't very good at, at uh, projecting things, and the Fed in particular hasn't been able to project its way out of a paper bag. But I think they've gone from their dual mandate from Congress, which is to stabilize prices, which obviously we know they haven't done. Inflation is going crazy. And to, you know, uh, to, to maximize employment, which, again, the government has interfered with. So we have, we have more than 9 million jobs unfilled. It's not like monetary policy is going to fix that. Their hidden mandate is to prop up the stock market and to enable the government to continue to service the debt for as long as possible. And I feel like they're just looking for any excuse to kick the can down the road so that, you know, they can just prolong this as long as possible, hope that, you know, some fairy comes down from the sky and, and fixes this and makes it all go away. If not, they'll kick it to someone else, and hopefully it'll be their problem. Remember when um, the collapse of 08 happened and the Occupy Wall Street guys would come to the old Merck and sit outside? You remember all of that? I thought I, in fact, I, you know, I, I, uh, at that, that point in time was a contributor um, you know, on, on other networks, and so I actually remember it from a New York perspective as well, and, and you know, down, by the, down by Wall Street. So if you, if you were listening to what they were actually saying, they were railing against corporatism, not capitalism. And Correct. on their base premise, they were 100% right. Correct. Is there enough of us capitalists and those misguided pseudo-communists pseudo to at least get a law passed that these politicians can stop insider trading and front-running new industries like the Green Movement? Or are we just going to have to sit by and watch these scallywags make hundreds of millions of dollars and pretend that they're married and they're not uh, stooping their secretary? Yeah, I mean, it's insane if you think about Pelosi and some of the, the trades that she's made recently that have been disclosed. It's like insane. She's doing options trading. So it's not like she's making long-term bets. She's literally trying to maximize something that's short-term. <laughs> like, there's, no, there's nothing potentially shadier than that. Um, so, you know, it, it's pretty blatant at this point in time. As far as are there enough of us, I actually think there are. I don't know if you have been following what's been going on. Um, with some of these, you know, sort of retail revolution traders, you know, some of the outlets call them meme stocks and AMC and GME and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you know, I I just call it, or I, I was told by one of them that it's sort of like a digital Occupy Wall Street 
2.0. And their whole point is that they just want a fair playing field and they want to participate in the wealth creation. And they are, I mean, there's millions of them. And they're at least at this point in time different than the previous Occupy Wall Street because they're actually putting their money where their mouth is. And, and they're saying they want to participate in the capitalistic process. So I do think wow. there are good, enough people there. We just have to find a way to get everyone together individually and that's the that's the challenge. Carol, I did not know about this. You just taught me something today. That's why I love having you on because, you know, I'm still selling real estate in South Florida and then I like to walk around the beach and do my yoga in the Speedo. It's very attractive. I get a lot of looks. I think the people love it. So that's what I do. I don't keep up on every bit of news. So thank you very much for joining me, Carol. I am looking forward to this book and uh, I'm looking forward to the solutions and your optimism therein. In the meantime, let me know if you join the secession side. Will you please? <laughs> I will, and I will also mention that if you want to get the war on small business from a local business bookseller, you can go to bookshop.org and you can put your money where your mouth is and support local small businesses when you buy it. Yeah, not me. I'm going to just order it on Amazon. I'm not going anywhere. I don't like people. Ooh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Carol, for joining All right, me. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. We'll be back with your calls and comments. 312-642-5600 after this. I am optimistic to a certain extent. I got to tell you, John, I got like I got like three books going on. I, I, I'm mixing chapters up. I'm going to end up stuttering on the corner after this whole thing. I'm trying to read everything. A lot of books going on. Um, but I am optimistic because I don't know if you saw what happened with this boondoggle scam of the electric uh, big rig. Did you hear about this idiot in New York? This is great. Charges of federal security fraud today in Manhattan against billionaire electric truck manufacturer Trevor Milton. His investment campaign allegedly made false and misleading claims about his product. Mr. Milton today pleading not guilty and he was released on bond. A $100 million bond. His lawyer claims what he did was not illegal. I would assume. Yeah, the whole thing he did is lie about the product, get the government to give him money, then sell the, the, the phony stock to a bunch of congressmen so they wrote bills that assured the stock increase. That's all he did, scumbag. But you know who's on to it? Kevin McCarthy is on to exactly what's happening and what's going to happen in this new movement of green. One week ago, President Biden said inflation was temporary. He went on to say that spending trillions more would, and I quote, Reduce inflation, reduce inflation, reduce inflation. Madam Speaker, I think he's the only one who believes that. Mr. President, with all due respect, we need to wake up. Inflation has risen every single month since you took office. And last month was the largest increase in 13 years. Now, let's be very clear. Inflation is a tax on every single American. Everyone who's buying grocery knows it. Everyone who is filling up their car knows it. Everyone who is booking a summer flight knows it. And yet President Biden told a town hall in Ohio last week, I don't know anybody who's worried about inflation. <laughs> Madam Speaker, the only people I could imagine who are not worried about inflation make $5 million in a couple months on trading stock options. Everybody knows it. This is the most corrupt organization in the country and we're calling it congress by the way he spent five million he made far more than that he spent five million buying options that carol roth will tell you along with other investment bankers is an extremely sophisticated and risky trade if you're honest if you're corrupt 
It's a windfall, baby. And that's all they're good at, the scoundrels. Uh, Joe, Lincoln Park. You know, for the last 18 months, I've been hearing the vaxxers, blame the non-vaxxers, and everybody else for, you know, the lack of ability to open up this country. Why don't we blame the government for shutting down the, the country? I, I do. I always did. You know, I mean, I, I don't know if you have been listening. I mean, it's hard. I didn't have my own show, but I would fill in. And I had a lot of blowback. You should see. Joe, I had a lot of callers in. What's this guy talking about? I said, if anybody can resist the pressure of the Congress and the Democrats to not mandate a federal shutdown, it's Donald Trump. I think he had an opportunity to really shine and simply blew it. I think that would have been the best thing in the world. I think he would have won re-election. But, you know, nothing's for sure. And I also think that uh, there was a culminated effort to get him out of there. Joe in Dundee. Yeah, Sean. Um when you were at the Merck, do you remember the uh, Lawrence brothers, uh, Harry and Derby? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> just, just ask it. Yeah. The reason oh, I, I, thought there was in... gonna, I thought there was going to be a story about the the Euro dollar after that, but go ahead. Oh no, ahead. I, I work with those guys. Right. Uh, they were wealthy men. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. The main point of putting Trump in was because he was not a politician. You know, I mean, yeah. he had uh, Cudlow behind him, and Cudlow worked at the Merck at Canal and Jackson when I was there. Yeah, I, I like you know, Cudlow. I mean, I, they, I, I, there were some things I did, but I liked Cudlow. I thought he was going to be an influence. I think he was. I liked Stephen Moore. I thought he was going to be an influence, and I think he was. I didn't like Peter Navarro, and I didn't like, like Stephen Mnuchin. They well oiled machine. They well, had it running like a well-oiled machine uh, I mean, for a guy that was never in politics. You know, lowest unemployment well, rates. Joe, you're 100% right, and thank you very much for the call on Friday. But here's here's the one thing you'll never have again. And I, there were policies to love, policies not to like. And he's, that's like everybody else. The one thing you'll never have again is somebody who came right out of nowhere as far as capitalism and then took over the presidency. That will never happen again, rest assured, because what under this government, what Joe Biden and the Democrats and, and some of the Republicans prove is there's a lot of money for the select few when they run everything. 312-642-5600. Let's all go to the live. Let's go to the movie. It's time for Friday Features with Sean. And now, on with the show. I'm going to embarrass myself this week. I had an embarrassing movie selection. It's true. Embarrassing. I don't know if I told you. I, I, I can't remember if I saw Black Widow after last Friday's show or right before. But uh, Black Widow with Scarlett Johansson. Lovely. That's the main reason I watched it. Run around in jumpsuits. And I got to tell you, I was, I, it was ridiculous and I couldn't look away. Had the same thing happen to me again. With the hitman's wife's bodyguard. Ridiculous. And I love every minute of it. Terrible. So I'm going to say they were ridiculous, but very entertaining if you want to just forget about the fact that, uh, you know, America is collapsing into Sovietism. Um, And then I watched a couple of old ones. Kind of brought it back a little bit to a little quality. Rear window. When's the last time you watched that? I'll tell you what. I loved every minute of it. And then I watched Tin Men with Danny DeVito and Richard Dreyfus. I mean, laughed, really did. And I'm still hooked, like a housewife, on The Mentalist. I cannot help it. 
I'm into it all. I feel like when Jerry Seinfeld got caught watching 90210, <laughs> that's exactly how embarrassed I am. I know all their names, all the plots. I just, you know, it's embarrassing and I'm incriminating myself, but I don't care because I tell you the truth. Megan in Orland Park. Hey, Sean, how are you? Wonderful. How are you? I need some good selections. Oh, thank you. Um, okay. Well, I, I have to agree with you what you said about your choices. I haven't seen those, but sometimes you just need a good comedy or an action adventure. Just yeah. to forget about what's going on in today's society. And Selma um, Hayek running yeah. around, Selma Hayek running around in a zip-up bodysuit, not bad. Really kept my attention for two hours. I enjoyed it. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so I think this should be considered a documentary, Dinesh D'Souza's Hillary's America. Yeah, loved it. Saw it, loved it. Yeah. Very so, good. So it really talks about the, the rise of the Democratic Party, that they were the oppressors, the slave owners, the people that put all these policies in place. And, and they aged stuff. terribly. Did you notice that? The difference between the way the Democrats age and we age. I mean, Hillary, I mean, whew, she looks terrible. Pick a Democrat. <laughs> I mean, they age terribly. They age like, like shoes in the sun. It's terrible. But um, I'm more interested in your other show. What do you got there? Because I have heard about okay. it, but never seen it. Okay, Handmaid's Tale? Yes, never seen it. You know, we just started, my husband and I just started watching it, and I was like four seasons, and we're like halfway through the second season. And the thing is, it was very futuristic. And so if I had started watching this a couple of years ago, I would have said, this stuff could never happen, and a lot of it could never happen. But now I look at it, and it's like loss of freedom. I'm trying to figure out what the government is, um, communistic or whatever, but it's kind of scary. Um, oh, all right. Now, see, I'm intrigued. Yeah, it's like uh, a lot of women are not able to give birth anymore, so they capture these women that they know are fertile, and um, they're to carry on, carry on the uh, huh. human race, and they get you know. It's, I recommend it. I think we'll right. get. I think we'll get. Um, Megan, on it. Thank you so much. I got a full board. Let me get to Dave in Wheaton. Hi, Dave. Hey, Sean. Hope you had a good week. Uh, movies: The Gray Fox. Richard Farnsworth plays Bill Miner, uh, a... Uh, this is an old movie, right? 1890s, yes. But I, I like it for the beauty of the movie, the story. It's filmed in British Columbia and uh, huh. northern Washington State. Okay. And it's a uh, true story. And he's credited with saying hands up during robberies and things. But he comes out of prison after 25 years into the 20th century. And there's no more stagecoaches to rob. So he turns to robbing trains. Oh, the story would have been better if he would have became a senator. Thank you, Dave. Ah. I appreciate it very much. Kent in Aurora. Hey, uh, movie is the first in the Hannibal Lecter series, although really was just a standalone called Manhunter. Manhunter. Uh, I did, thought I saw yeah. all the. Which one? Refresh my memory, because I, I love the the, the it, sequel. It was kind of done apart from them. It was the okay. first one. All right. And Bill Peterson is the lead, and he's just a great detective kind of guy, you know. All right. Very and good. then Hannibal Lecter is Brian Cox. It was the first Ooh. time I ever met him on, in a movie, and he is just. Great as Hannibal Lecter. All right, I'm going to so watch that's it. A surprising little movie, and then the series I have is the kids are all right, and it's a one season hit with uh, in the 70s with Mary McCormack as the mom. Uh, it's a Catholic family, 
So for the folks who don't know the seventies, it, it's just so much fun. Oh, it's like seven 70s. boys. I and love they the are 70s. so fun. The chemistry. How about the, the cars in the seventies? If you got it at the right time, you know, before they tried to be all uh, adapt to the Carter years, what cars they had? Huh? The Riviera, the Toronado, the Eldorado, even the Chrysler Cordoba. Good car. Thank I don't you. know how they film these things to look like the seventies. You know, but. yeah. Well, there's a lot of those cars left around. They were made with steel, and back then the UAW didn't ruin them. Thank you very much. Linda, South Suburbs. Hi, Sean. So oh. wonderful to be on with you tonight. Oh, thank you for calling. Thank All you. Right. Oh, you're welcome, and we just love your show here. Oh, and I've got a movie and a documentary. We watched uh, The Night Train to Lisbon. With Jeremy Irons and Melanie Lawrence. I saw this on Prime and I didn't click on it. The Night Train to Lisbon. See, I'm writing this down and I'm going to take it home. Yeah. All right, very good. It, it's during the resistance and he saved a woman from jumping off the bridge and she he brings her to class. He's a teacher and then she sneaks out, leaves her red coat, and then he travels all over to find her and it's quite a story that evolves oh very good do you have a documentary or a show yes i i do i have a documentary and it's one of my favorites miracle with kurt russell oh i love kurt russell miracle oh, all right, very good so great all right and it's a true story now i'm going and, to ask you something you know, linda have you yes. ever watched the yes. mentalist have you ever watched it yes i have I mean, I, I love this stupid show. I, I, I'm going to go home. I'm going to light a cigar. I'm going to sit on the back porch. I'm going to see what I could eat, and I'm going to watch The Mentalist. I love it. I'm like a, I'm like a, uh, I feel like a housewife. It's terrible. Thank you so it's much, Linda. Really good. I, I think do so like too. it. And thank you, Sean, for taking my call. And I'm so happy to talk with you. Oh, we just love you. Thank you so much. It means so much to me. You made my weekend. Thank you very much. And do you notice how The Mentalist dresses like Lori Lightfoot? Um, well, I haven't watched it in a while. Of course, it looks different. <laughs> you know, before. man's clothes on a man. It actually looks okay. Take a look at it. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Jeff in Rockford. Hey, Sean. How are you doing, buddy? Good, brother. How are you? You just you're just blowing this place up, I tell you. Oh, thank you. Hey, do you uh, have you ever seen the Flim Flam Man? No, Did but I, I had a couple knock on my door, but I never saw the movie Flim well, Flam. Well, you got you got to see it. And what's got to happen, Sean, is we need to have a remake of that and line up some politicians to be. Uh, easy, started. easy. It's a Friday. I don't want to go. I don't want to have to talk to the NSA or any other three letters. Thank you, Jeff. What about a documentary? Um, I don't really have a documentary, but you got to see the Flim Flam Man if you've ever seen it. George I wrote C. it Scott down. Crazy. Oh, I love George he'll, C. He'll tell you, you can't cheat an honest man. Love it. Oh, but unless, of course, you're the president. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Jeff, and I'm going to check it out. for. I'm going to get to the rest of you when I get back. I have two spots open, 312-642-5600. Now, don't let me forget this damn paper. Two weeks ago, I forgot the paper. I had no movies. You know, after all these great suggestions, I had to muddle through. Of course, I can download my own podcast, which is on iTunes, in case you're wondering. See what, you didn't think I could work that in, did you? Wrong. Bill on the north side. Hey, my man, Sean. How are you, buddy? Bro- brother from another mother. I love it. Thank you very much. How are you, Bill? <laughs> All right. Uh, if you want to get totally freaked out, you've got to watch. I'm going to start off uh, with, with, with this one. It's called uh, uh, 
um, uh, the, the world's well, Everest beyond the limit. Wait, what was it called? I didn't get that. It's Everest beyond the limit. Everest beyond the limit. All right. And um, that's uh, that. It was like a three season long about. Uh, oh come on! I'm already into the Mentalist. I got books going on. I got to leave the house sometime. I'm not a Democrat. Really, if, if you really want to get freaked out, you got to watch this one. It's called Free Solo. And I'm a guy that. Oh, I saw years. Free Solo. Saw it. I mean, phenomenal. It. I can't even watch some of the scenes of that because my stomach falls out. It's like, my, this guy's doing it with no ropes. <laughs> so I'm at the cigar store, right? You know, Proft is the worst movie picker ever. Oh, I got like yeah. six guys in the store. It's a Saturday. I grab the clicker. I see the guy hanging off the cliff. I'm like, ah, oh, let's put this on. I swear to God, you could hear a pin drop. It was absolutely fantastic. All right, yeah. Bill, I'm it's getting yelled at by Misty. I got like a full board. Go ahead. I know, um, uh, real quick, um, as far as film noir, uh, the lady from Shanghai uh, with Orson Welles. Saw it. Love it. Absolutely. one of. I mean, it's the ultimate in film noir. Bill. The ultimate. I'm, I recommend it to everybody, and I want to thank you for listening, and thank you for calling. I'll talk to you later, brother. Deb in Huntley. Hello. Hi, Deb. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I love The Mentalist, too, and if you love it as much as I do, you will probably like the series The Blacklist. I love The Blacklist, but only oh, you... the first yes. four seasons. Then it got a little hokey on me. But the first it four seasons... It does? It does? It does get better, yeah. They have like a season or two of eh, kind of not so great, and then it gets better again, and the season finale, finale um, for this Who's the guy? What's the guy's season? name in the blacklist? I can't, my mind is blank. Um, Spacey. It's Jim, no, Spader. James Spader. I answered my own Spader, question. James Spader. That's All right. right. So listen, he is in, boom. I never watched it when it was on air. I have a, a a lawyer gives me free legal advice, 380 pounds of free legal advice. By the way, he had a lot of pink on today. And he <laughs> turned me on to Boston Legal. He's a lawyer, and he watched it through law school. It is mm-hmm. it is so pertinent. If you go back, revisit that, watch it today. Don't get mad at me, Deb. i got to get to Stephen Frank. I'm running out of time. Fastest two hours. Steve in Willowbrook. Hey, Sean, how about North by Northwest? Phenomenal. Phenomenal. That's I mean, and the searchers. And the searchers. The Searchers is good, but, you know, if I'm going to watch that, brother, I'm going to have to end the night with Giant, my favorite. That's right. My favorite. Thank uh, you. Series MI5, MI5 on Prime is really good. It's really? about, like, the FBI in England, MI5. All right, I'm going to watch and it. I've seen Longmire? it. I haven't watched it. How about Longmire? How about Longmire? I like Longmire, but I like Brockmire better. Thank you very much, Steve. Yeah. I got to go to Frank. We got a minute for Frank in Wisconsin. With an oldie. I remember seeing this in 1976. Hi, Frank. Yes, I believe the greatest sports film of all time is the original Bad News Bears <laughs> with Walt Marathon. Thank you. You know what? Thank you. Short and to the point. You know what's great is that I like Walter Matthau. He's just absolutely fantastic. And I put it on yesterday at the store, cigar store full of, you know, my regulars. I don't keep strangers there. Cigar store full of regulars. I put on the original Odd Couple, where he is Oscar Madison. I mean, just loved every minute of it. Kind of like my show. I love every minute of it. You know how it's going to be for me. Two weekends. I don't have weekends. It's just going to be two days. I can't come and do this. I get very aggravated. But, oh, look at this. Change the music up on me. 
As you know, we'll be back in 70 hours, which confused my man Johnny Rocket last weekend. But if you do the math, it's right. I'm not a Democrat. I get the numbers right. I'll be back in 70 hours. Have a good weekend. Have a safe weekend. I wish you a Democrat-free weekend. Thank you.